Yo, what's going on guys? Resale from Elite Step here and back with another podcast. So on today's one, and I hope the audio is sounding good. I guess I'll find out after this. It's the first time that I've recorded in my new uh, gym. So I'm sat in the office currently. Um, I've got the door open to try and get rid of some of the echoey sounds. So hopefully we're all good. If you do hear any loud noises at any point during the podcast, it's just the train that is going over us. So we're actually, for anyone who don't know, we're in an arch, which has the railway line above us. So once in a while, we do get a train coming through, but don't mind that. Hopefully you can still hear clearly. So now that disclaimer is out the way, we can get on to today's episode. So I was kind of thinking what I wanted to do with this episode. I wanted to do one where I was basically sitting down and and chatting shit essentially for about half hour, 40 minutes. And I kind of put it out to you guys, said, what would you rather me talk about, S&C or business? And now business won by quite a lot as well. It wasn't really close. So it either means, I guess, one of two things. One, people just want to know about the business size. There's not enough enough out there about S&C coaches and the business side of it because at the end of the day, yeah, we are coaches and all that sort of stuff, but we're self-employed. We're trying to run businesses. We're trying to grow. We're essentially trying to get rich, right? No one wants to be a strength coach and be struggling to pay the bills and living in a house they don't like and not being able to go on holidays, not being able to eat good food and all that sort of stuff. Like any business, we want to make a good amount of income. So it's either that or no one rates my my strength and conditioning knowledge. They don't want to hear any of that, but I'll uh, leave that for you guys to decide. But we're going to go down the business route. And I think what I decided when I was doing the notes and, and what should I speak about and all that sort of stuff and when I first planned it, there was just loads and loads of pages of notes. And what I don't want to do is chat for an hour, hour and a half, because I feel like when people listen to something for that long, they lose track of what they're actually taking in and they're getting rid of those real key points. I want you guys to take away and whether you're a strength coach, whether you've got another business, whether you're listening just out of interest, I want these podcasts to be something that you can actually take away and implement into your daily life. So what we're going to do, we're going to roll through. I'm going to try, and the key word there is try, I'm going to try and keep it down to 35, 40 minutes talking about the business. And what I'm actually going to do is make this like a three-part series. Today's one is going to be a background on myself, right? It's going to be an introduction into Elite Step, how we got set up, how we um, made progress from the Pure Gym days to Graft House to now having my own gym, how we went about working with those higher higher end clients, the elite athletes, you know, people like Sonny and Dalton and all that sort of stuff. A lot of people interested in how I actually got working in uh, Steel City Gym and and all that sort of stuff as well. Obviously, with me opening up my gym, people want to know about that. So I'm basically just going to tell my story, essentially. So I hope I don't bore you (laughs) too much, but I'm going to keep it short. Um, And I think that the, the important part here, I can only give you guys my experience, right? I can't tell you what's right what's wrong. I can't say this is the right way to do something. This is the wrong way. I can't tell you guys that this will work if you do it. I can only say, look, yo, this is what I done. This was the situation I found myself in. This is how I went about it. And that was the results that either worked or didn't work for me. I don't know whether I'm just really lucky. right? Um, I could just be really lucky in that the decisions I make in that one-off time worked. I could be a one in 10,000 case where it does work and it's pure luck and everyone else who tries it goes down the same route. It doesn't work for them. I don't know. I could have found a formula that works across 99% of coaches. 
Again, I don't know. So all I can do is say to you, look, this is where I was at. This is what I did. This is what I found work for me personally at that moment in time. And you guys can then go ahead and make those connect the dots, if you like, yourself and, and start to implement things that you think might work for yourself as well. But again, it's trial and error. And, and I highly doubt it, honestly. I highly doubt if people copy or take what I've done word for word and try and do it, it may not work. I'd probably say there's a high chance it won't. Everyone's got to find their own route. So from the off, I want you guys to take that first point away that whatever I say here is just as I said, a story. It's just an account of my own events and the things that I did at certain times. So one of the biggest things I'm going to do, right? So I'm not going to start way back in the day because no one really cares about what I did out of uni and all that sort of stuff. Um, we'll touch on it slightly, but the main areas and the main time frame I want to talk about is the last sort of three, three and a half years, because in February 2018 is when I relocated to Leeds um, that was when I decided that I wanted to train combat athletes only. And that's when I really put my foot on the gas and grew my business and did things quote unquote off properly. Um, so what I'm going to talk about today is going to be from that February 2018 all the way through to where we are now, May 2021. Um, I'll touch a little bit about what I did before that, but to give you an overview before that, went to uni. Um, I don't have a degree in what I do. I did sports journalism at uni, absolutely hated it. I went to Lee's Trinity, got a degree anyway, somehow managed to get a degree despite just having fun with my friends all the time. Um, and then went out, done a host of jobs, a host, a host, a host of jobs, literally done everything. I've worked as a water technician, I've worked on a desal plant, I've worked in removals, I've worked for River Island, I've worked doing deliveries, literally anything, facilities assistant, I've worked um, as a student advice officer, um, literally whatever you can think of, I've done it and I hated all of it, right? And eventually through trial and error, through things falling into place, I stumbled across strength conditioning and, and that was where I ended up. So I guess straight away, you can take away from that. There's a lot of a lot of times people say now that you should follow your passion and find your passion and, and all that sort of stuff. But let's just chill a bit. I'm not a big believer in find your passion. I think your passion is something that will come to you. And not always is your passion going to be something that you can do as a job, right? If your passion's music and you love singing, but you're a shit singer, then it makes no sense to follow your passion because you're going to end up broke, very unhappy, and it just doesn't make any sense. So the whole idea of you should find your passion and run with it, I'm not a big fan of. You should find something that you enjoy, something that you want to do well at, something that you're good at, and something that you can make money from in order to have the life that you want to have. Again, you know, people I think now are... Uh, not ashamed, but maybe a little bit embarrassed or they feel like they can't say that they're in it for the money. Like everyone's in it for the money. There's, there's no shame in that because at the end of the day, for me personally, I like going on holidays. I like eating out. I like doing things with my friends. I like living in a nice house. I like driving a nice car. It's not that I'm a materialistic kind of guy, but I like to live a good life. And if I haven't got a X amount of money to do that, then what is the point? I'm going to be miserable. Even if I'm in a job that I love, I will probably still be miserable. So two key points coming right at you from the start there. So let's rewind, fast forward 
to February 2018. As I said, I moved uh, to Leeds, relocated with the, the sole ambition, the sole goal to work with combat athletes exclusively. That was that was my goal. So I rolled up to Leeds, no clients, nothing really. Um, I initially worked in a pure gym. Um, it was just a risk-free option because at pure gym, they have a model where you can deliver 12 hours of classes a week and you don't have to pay any rent. So for someone moving up with no clients, it was just a risk-free option. I didn't have to pay out anything at the start and I could make contacts, make clients through those classes. So I did that. Um, and I started to build up just general population clients here in Leeds, learning my trade, learning about programming, just experiencing different people, different bodies, different injuries, all that sort of stuff, building my experience that were going to serve me well in the future. Um, on the side of that, so what I did on the first week of, of coming to Leeds, I got my push bike. I went around, I don't even know how many boxing gyms, but I just Google maps all the boxing gyms in Leeds, essentially. Went around, just seeing if they were open, dropping off business cards, introducing myself, um, and just trying to make contacts, trying to get my foot in the door somewhere. Alongside that, I used Instagram um, to get my name out, do the same thing, essentially, right? Social media gets a lot of bashing these days. um, But for me, and this is point number one that I want to talk to you about, the importance of social media. For me, it was a lifesaver. It's what my whole business is built on. 95% of my inquiries come from Instagram, I would say. Um, And it's my main marketing tool. It's free to use. It's just social media gets a bashing. But I, I honestly believe it's going to be your number one tool. And if you're not active on social media, you're missing a big, big pull. Right. So I messaged people on Instagram, um, boxers, coaches, just search, you know, boxing leads, all these hashtags. Um, and yeah, a lot of people ignored me. A lot of people didn't reply. A lot of people re- read it and didn't reply. A lot of people said no. A lot of people said they were working with people. Um, but that's all part of it. And I think one thing you have to be as a business person, an entrepreneur, and and someone who wants to build and grow, you have to be open and you have to be able to accept rejection, right? If you can get to a point where you are not scared of rejection, you are going to be in such a good place because I'm at that point now. I've always been at that point. I've got a bit of an attitude where I'm like, you know what? I don't care. People say no. What's the worst? They say no. Okay. Who cares? And if someone's rude about it, then that's a reflection of them more so than you. So if you can get into a pace where you're open to rejection, then you know, you're going to be in a good place moving forward. So I wasn't scared of rejection, messaged loads of people. I'm talking hundreds and I probably only got a handful of, of replies. One of them um, and actually, yeah, funny enough, one of the people I messaged right back on that February was actually Sonny. Uh, I dropped him a DM and I, th- I think he read it actually. Yeah, he did because he always jokes to me that he, uh, I was a bit of an Instagram whore, message whore and, uh, slid in his DMs and he just, uh, ignored me, but we'll, we'll skim over that. We'll skim over that. Um, but that just shows, you know, it's funny how things work out as well. You know, um, people might say no, then I've had it numerous times where people originally say no. And then they get in touch with you six months later, a year later, you know, you never know. It's someone who rejects you, they now know who you are. And it sounds silly, but that can only work in your favor. So even if they are saying no to you, they're now aware, they're now open to, to who you are. Um, and then all those messages I sent, the only positive reply of, of any response was from P down at Golden Team. Um, he... 
replied and was like, yeah, sounds good, mate. Can you come in and meet me? Long story short, went down and met him um, and we spoke, told him what I do, told him what I'd like to do. And he said, look, that sounds good. Why don't you do a trial session with one of my fighters? Done that. They both enjoyed it and ended up working for free with one of their fighters for the next kind of year or so. Um, and that was my first boxer that I had. So I was working for free, which is point number two that we'll get onto. But that's how I kind of got my foot in the door at a boxing club. Um, I would suggest that um, affiliating yourself with a boxing club is a great marketing source, great way to build client base. Um, and you'll be surprised how many don't have SNC as well. So again, no harm in, in just asking. Going back to the social media thing though as well, like it's so key for your branding, for your marketing, all that sort of stuff. So if you're giving out good info, if you're helping people, if you're nice, replying to DMs, all that sort of stuff, you're probably going to find the results follow. And again, you don't want to be thinking, right, it's been a week and I'm not getting any results. Let's think longer term. Let's not have that instant gratification. Let's think longer term in a month, two month, three month. Everything you're doing, every bit of content you're putting out should be aimed at a client, aimed at an issue. So what problems do you see in your fighters? This is how you fix it. Here, use this. And people will use it and they'll help. They'll help. You will help them. And you're just growing your brand and you're growing your validity. You're growing your authority in that field. So I would always say just make sure on your social media, you're giving good info. You're helping people in every single post. You're being nice to people, replying to your DMs. Um, you know, I, I know people who've got like 2000 followers and stuff and they just don't won't reply to a DM. And I know you're seeing it. I know you're seeing it and you're not replying, and who knows, that person you've ignored could be ready to spend two, three hundred pounds a month on your business, which, you know, especially when you're starting out, that's a lot of money, but at any stage, that's a lot of money, so unless your diary's fully packed out, and you're not needing any money, and you're in a really financial stable place, and you know your client's going to be staying with you for the next two years, no one's going to drop off, can you really afford to be leaving two, three hundred pounds on the table, can you therefore afford to be ignoring people's DMs, probably not. And then the last bit on, on social media is you need to work out where your clientele is, right? Because for me, I know boxers that I want to work with. A lot of the older boxers now at 30s and above, maybe 32 and above, probably aren't looking to add strength conditioning. Probably coming to the end of the careers, they've done X amount for um, a while and they're not looking to add SNC. There might be a few that are, but a lot of the people who get in touch with me are those younger guys in their 20s, even younger than that because they've grown up around it. So I know for my clientele, they're not on Facebook. I've run many Facebook ads. I've tried using, you know, my Facebook page, growing that and, and it's growing and there is people out there and, you know, there is a big reach of people on Facebook, a lot more um, then, then Instagram, you probably get 10 times as much reach on Facebook as you do Instagram, but it's how many of those people are actually your clientele that are going to buy. And for me, I've just found, as I said, 95 of my inquiries, 95% of my business has come from Instagram. So I know if 95% of my business and inquiries is coming from Instagram, I need to be spending 95% of my content and my time going into making good quality content on Instagram. Don't just do stuff because you feel like it. Um, you know, I've done that many a time. Um, you know, I keep doing stuff on Facebook, spending hours and hours and hours on Facebook with no return on investment. It's pointless. Work out, you know, it's the 80-20 rule what's getting you 80% of your results, 
what's the 20% of the bad stuff, put all your time in, into that. Um, the other one you might want to look at is emails, email marketing. Again, you can get a big reach. I've had some success on that. Um, you know, and it's always that thing. You got to have one eye on these social media platforms. You know, are they ever going to go bust one day? If they were, what's your next backup? And for me, it's creating a nice, solid email list. I spoke a little bit as well, just briefly uh, before about the importance of working for free. So if importance of social media is number one point, Working for free is number two. And I I guess the one takeaway from this is that you don't ever want to be too big to do anything for free. Now, even at the stage that I'm at, I'm always looking to maybe do one client for free or help someone for free, whether it's an online program or it's a rehab program or whatever it is, because for me, it's an opportunity to learn. You know, there might be someone who comes in with a torn ACL. And that's a hole in my experience. I've never worked rehabbing someone with a torn ACL, let's say, for example. So I could do an eight week, 10 week, 12 week rehab plan for someone for free. And it fills a gap that later down the line, when Mr. High Profile Athlete comes in and says, Reese, can I work with you? But I've torn my ACL. I was looking for a strength coach to help me rehab. That's the difference between me saying, you know what? I don't have experience with that. I'm not the best person. Compared to, yeah, let's get it rolling, you know, and again, that adds to your branding. It's another high um, profile client, you know, it's in more reviews, more feedback, all that sort of stuff. So never be too good to work for free. And I'd say working for free allowed me to build my socials, build my experience, build my branding, build my authority for that first year, year and a half that I kind of did it. So I didn't have any... Um, Going back to the story, sort of background of what I did, once I had those clients, I was working for free for about a year and a half. Mark got in touch with me, um, started working with him, long story short again, started building it. Um, after Pure Gym, I was ready to, to move on. Um, and so I went to Graft House, which is an independent gym, and I was like, right, this is the time now. I want to make it work with combat athletes. I'm only going to do that. I then moved over to Graft House. Again, free taster sessions, free testing with reports. And then I got about 10 athletes off the back of that. And before you know it, within four weeks of moving gyms, I lost all my clients, but then gained 10 combat athletes. And that was my business at the time. So working for free, doing things for free is absolutely key in whatever you're trying to do. Um, and again, a little bit of a subplot. I'm going off on tangents and none of it's flowing in the same timeline as I normally do. But when I went to Pure Gym, I started with no clients, right? When I moved to Graft House, I lost all my general population clients. The key thing from that in business is you have to be robust. You're going to have setbacks. And sometimes you have to take a step back in order to accelerate two steps forward. So in hindsight, when I moved to Graft House, would I have accepted, would I have wanted to lose all my clients? Absolutely not, because that was a stressful time. Um, I had basically a money for one month worth of rent. So I knew I had a month to build my business from zero or I wasn't able to afford my rent bills and that sort of stuff. Would I have chosen that? Absolutely not. But in hindsight, what that done was one, make me put my foot on the pedal and work extremely hard. And two, allow me to go into working with combat athletes only. So you have to keep a positive mindset. You can't let setbacks get you down. You have to keep pushing forward at all times. 
and just know that like everything happens for a reason everything happens for a reason life is a funny old game <laughs> i honestly believe that i honestly believe everything does happen for a reason and although at the time you might think things are shit and that's a setback and that's a failure it always has a funny way of playing out if you stick to your guns stick to your morals and keep pushing through it has a funny way of playing out so now you can look back in hindsight and be like oh i'm so glad that happened rather than that was a shit time so that's another point i want you guys to take away again just to round up on working for free build your experience get testimonials get video feedback build your authority use case studies and then you can tie that in nicely with point number one the importance of social media the the final point of this whole thing this first episode in the series as i said um is take risks like i'm a big risk taker really 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 big risk taker i guess it comes from my background where i grew up from um i think people who take risk and people who don't take risk there's one big difference the people who don't take risk who are scared to take risk are worried about the possibility of ending up with nothing. I think that's the big difference. I take risks all the time and I have no qualms. And, you know, I'm not trying to be big headed here and say, oh, I don't care about it, but it's just the truth. I have no qualms in having nothing. I have no issue with failing, the risk not working and me ending up back at square one at Pure Gym working with general population clients. I do not care. Like, I think, one, we not grew up with nothing, but we came from a place that was far from where, where we are now. So I've been there before. I've grown my business from that point and I have no qualms in doing it again. I know I can do it again. So the, the fear of starting from scratch again, it's not a fear at all because I've done it once and I know I can do it twice. Like that's just my mindset. So when I'm put in positions where I can roll the dice, I roll the dice every single time. And as I said, it might not always work for you. You know, there might be certain situations where you can't roll the dice or you don't want to. Or, you know, you're different people to me. But for me, I roll the dice all the time. Moving to Pure Gym, moving to Leeds, moving to Graft House, opening up my own gym. It's all rolling the dice, see what happens. And I'm always of the mindset and, and, and the, the way of thinking. I would rather know that it was a failure then not try it all and wonder what if it was a success. That's just the way the way my mind works. Um, and I'm a big believer in what's the worst that can happen, you know. Um, we always get tied down with worst case scenarios. Very rarely does it end up like that. You know, it's very a uh, small percentage, but our brains are wired as a protective mechanism. So it's always going to be thinking about worst case scenario and trying to prevent you from getting hurt, essentially. So just bear that in mind. I do always take risks. Um, but again, for certain situations, it, it might not work for yourself. So again, going back to story mode, <laughs> cutting back in. Once I was at Graft House, built my clientele up. Um, again, I went back to the importance of social media again, common theme, went back to the DM, slid in. Um, I looked around what areas can I travel to Sheffield, Liverpool, all these places. And Levi was one of the guys, um, that got back to me and said, I don't actually have a strength coach. I was looking for someone, invited him down to Leeds. We got it cracking. He was getting the train at the time. Um, and then he basically, again, long story short was kind of like, look, this is taking up a lot of my time. 
um, I do have a gym in Sheffield. So I was like, oh, cool. I'll, I'll drive up once a, once a day, uh, once a week, sorry. I'll come up. You only have to get the train once. I went up. The gym was bigger than, than I thought it would be. <laughs> um, so it had everything we needed. So I said to him, look, I'll just come up twice a week here. It's only half an hour drive from where I am. We'll do our work here. It saves you traveling. Um, and again, it's all about that long-term plan. Like I knew there was other boxes in there. I knew it was a gym that I could potentially affiliate myself with. Not that that was the sole reason I was being nice. I don't want to get that impression. I was doing it because I wanted to help Levi out, um, you know, and but at the same time, showing my face at Steel City, getting to know the other guys always works in your benefit. So again, fast forwarding. Sonny then jumps into some sessions uh, just before, I think he was just coming into camp, Lee McGregor as well, then Dalton getting involved, then they signed up and obviously Charlie was there and it just all grew and snowballed to the point where we're at now. Um, And then basically last year, we all know what happened with lockdown. I was paying X amount with, um, to, to train at Graft House and I just did a bit of research. I said, look, I've always wanted my own place. Why not do it now? It feels like the right time. Um, I'm working with these elite level athletes now. I want to have my own place. I feel like that's the next step. It's always been a goal of mine. So I had a look around COVID businesses going bust. Places aren't getting rented. Prices drop. There's an opportunity. Again, let's roll the dice. What's the worst that can happen? I have again, no zero, zero, zero. And I'm not just saying this. I have zero issue, zero fear in this gym failing and me having to close it, taking the L and going back to Graft House. None. Absolutely none. And I'm not just saying that. I don't have any. I'd much rather know, all right, Reese, you gave it a go. Didn't quite cut it. That's your level. Go back to it. That's what works for you. Cool. I think a lot of the time when people, again, going back to the failure thing, they don't want to take risks. Sometimes because they're scared of having nothing and losing it all but also because they're scared of what other people will think of them. So, you know, if someone goes to say they're going to go and do something and they start doing it and it doesn't work out and they have to take a step back, they almost feel like they're embarrassed that they have to explain to people, oh, you know, using my gym as an example. Oh, Reese, I thought you had a gym. What happened to it? Like they're embarrassed about that. Whereas I don't really have any kind of saying, well, you know what? It didn't work. Uh, took a risk. It, it just didn't work out. I couldn't get enough people in the door to... to to cover the overheads, you know, for me, going back to Graft House is just a better option financially. Like people just have that, that, that mindset about them that they're thinking about what people think and they don't want to take the risk. It's very similar to when people, I don't know, relationships and or buying a bigger house and they're worried and they're scared to have to downgrade because of what people might think. And, you know, you can't have that. Do what you got to do. And basically fuck everyone else. <laughs> and at the end of the day, what you need to remember is no one cares. People that have your best interests at heart will never need you to explain why you've taken a back step. And for people you have to explain that to, their opinion doesn't really matter either. So that's that. Um, So yeah, just to round up that story, I know I've been nattering on for half an hour now, so I want to stop my story mode and run through some of the questions that you guys asked. But my three things, well, there's probably more than three things, but the importance of social media, importance of working for free, the importance of taking risks And then overall, just being a nice person, helping people, doing a good job and not really caring about what anyone else thinks. Those are the things I want you guys to take away. But now I'll stop yabbering on. 
half an hour. I done well to be fair. Half an hour. I thought I was gonna keep yapping on. Luckily, the time is in front of me, so I sort of it, it kept me more accountable. But um, going on to questions, there there's about one, two, three, four, five. There's five questions that you guys asked that were really good that I wanted to touch on again. I'm gonna try and keep keep this bit down to about fifteen minutes because I want you to take away the important points. I don't want to just talk for talking's sake. Quick water. And we're in to the Q and A part. So question number one, someone asked, what's the best way to get started and grow as an s coach? I think I've answered that. I hope I've answered that. Um, but as I said, it's building experience, building your authority, using social media to do that, build, helping people, being nice and just putting yourself out there and, and don't be afraid to ask and take risk. I, I hope I've answered that question. I think the whole episode pretty much asks that, answers that question. So we'll kind of leave it there. Um, but if I haven't, just get in touch. Now, this one, this one's a great question. This is a really good question because it's the area that I've struggled with most, more than anything else. How to decide on fair pricing, not being too cheap, but also not being too much. And that, that's a cracking question. That is, like I said, that's the area I've struggled with more because, you know, you always start off when you, when you first get into the game and you charge, I don't know, standard £30, £25 an hour. But at some point, you, you get a cap. You can only do, say, 30 hours PT a week. And so there's a limit. So you have to increase your prices. And, you know, that snowballs. And you hit a point, it's like, as I said, you want to earn good money. There's no shame about that. So it's how do you end up on your price? And then I'm going to tell you a little story now. And, and you know, I don't I have no problem in, in telling this story, to be fair. So I got a business uh, business mentor. And we, one of the things we we're going through was pricing. And, you know, we sort of spoke about stuff. And he sort of said, you know, for what you do and the athletes you work of, with, you can charge X amount. You know, this is what other people are charging. You should charge X amount. I won't say what X amount is because I don't want to, <laughs> but you should charge X amount. And I'm not going to lie. I felt uncomfortable. Um, it, it wasn't something I wanted to, but I felt like, you know, if I am in that position, then let's do it. So, and this is going back about a year, maybe a year and a bit ago. Um, and I said to guys, you know, this is what it's going to cost for camp now. Uh, long story short, Right. Long story short, the guys kind of said, nope, we're, we're not paying that. That's a bit extortionate. Not extortionate, that wasn't a word, but, you know, that's a bit much. We feel like, yes, definitely should get more than we currently pay because you're doing a great job. We see the benefits, but that's a lot of money. And we had a discussion and, you know, that's I loved it, to be honest. I love that discussion with my athletes. I love the fact that we could sit down, be honest and open with each other and come to an arrangement. And as I said, Cutting a long story short, what I found from that whole situation and whole um, thing was that I was upping my prices to a point because I felt like I had to and it's what I should do rather than because I wanted to. Yes, I want to earn more money and, you know, I want to have my business. But at the same time, I was sacrificing what I truly believed as a person in order to do that. So one of my one of my biggest morals or, or I guess, I don't know, principles is one I want the fighters to keep the, their person, you know, I don't want them to be spending out 50% on their personal, their, their coach and they're the ones getting in the ring, in the ring. Um, so that was one. Two is that I don't believe, again, personal preference, I don't believe someone should pay more because they're at a higher level than someone else, right? 
that's the biggest thing I took away from it. And I always believed that, but I was influenced by other people and what I'd read and what I heard and videos I'd seen that, you know, they were saying, you know, elite level athletes, they should pay more because they're earning more. And when I sat down and, and you know, really, and I had those conversations with my fighters, I was like, you know what, hands up, you are completely right. You are completely right. You should not be punished for earning more because you've done well. You've put in the work to get that position to earn more. Why should I take more? And the outcome that I had was that my service is my service, right? I can't charge less for certain people because whoever I work with, I want the best for them. I'm going to give 100% of my time. So all that happens is you've got people paying less, but they're still getting the same service. So it makes no sense. So for me, the big takeaway on pricing is that for me personally, again, my service is my service. And whether you're an amateur with zero fights or you're a world champion undisputed with 100 fights, my service is my service and it will cost you exactly the same. And that's just a principle that I always want to stick to. I worked out, you know, what do I think I'm worth? What do I think the service I provide is worth? Whether that's a one session a week, a two session a week, a three session a week, plus everything else you do. How much do you think that's worth? And I decided that across the board. And now, if you look at my business model, as I said, if I have an inquiry from an amateur who's never fought or a world champion who's having their last fight ever, if they say they want this package, it's going to cost you the same. All right. So I can't tell you what to charge. But what I could say and what I can say is just that anecdote, that little story in my background where I felt like I needed to do X amount of things for the sake of it. Whereas I was probably sacrificing my true beliefs to get there. And that was a big lesson over the last year. So, you know, I would say work out what you value your time at, what you need to be earning per month for you to live the life that you want and just sort of work backwards from there, you know. If you need X amount to live the life that you want, how many clients do you need? How much do they pay and work your packages off of that? And as I said, for me, I'm just someone who wants to give 100% to everyone. So it made no sense of me having tier one, tier two, tier three, because people in tier one are going to get the same service as people in tier three, but they're going to be paying less, which is unfair. So that's all I'll say on that. But yeah, I hope, hope that's answered your question. Um, the next one was financing business. How did I do it? Did I get loans? Did I get X, Y, and Z? Honestly, no, I didn't get loans. I saved up. Um, I put X amount away a month um, into a savings account. I used that. Um, I've had, um, I've lost the word, but like money from my grandparents. You know, I haven't, luckily I haven't used that yet. I wanted to do it just because of the way I am. I wanted to do my gym on my own. I want it to be my thing. Um, I don't know whether that's an ego thing or not. I don't know. But <laughs> I've got um, sort of like uh, money from inheritance from my grandparents in a bank that is a nice cushion to have. I'm not going to lie. It's taken away a lot of the stress that I know if it does go tits up in the early months, I've got a nice little cushion there. Um, but yeah, no, I just saved up, used my own money. I haven't taken out any loans. I don't want to be in more debt before anything else. So I would say save up. Um, and keep saving, keep saving, keep saving. And then what I basically done, worked out what is this going to cost a month? How much money do I need for bills to live the life again? How much do I need to live the life I want to live with the gym added on, with bills added on, with the equipment? Um, and then 
let's get work backwards. How many clients do I need? How much am I short? Right, what do I need to do to fill that? Bam, let's go get it. Let's message people. Let's fill that ASAP. And I'm happy to say that we're almost in that position now, a month in, which is, is a great position to be in. Stress of business was another question. Really good one. How do you deal with the stress of business? Like, for me... I, I don't get stressed, to be honest. I'm very fortunate. I'm very like, you've probably taken that away when I talk about taking risk. I'm very much like, what's the worst that can happen? You know, um, so I don't really get stressed. But what I would say, one thing that's really helped me lately in certain positions is reminding yourself that, or me reminding myself that the life that I have now, I absolutely dreamed of 10 years ago. Like, and I always have to remind myself of that, even when I'm going through hard times, right? So for those of you that don't know, I went through a long, I was with a long-term, in a long-term relationship for like six years, came out of that last year. And obviously, as you can imagine, a bit of a shit time, but you have to remind yourself, and this is what actually helped me out a lot, was like, shit, why are you getting so stressed? You know, this life that I have now, I'm in my 20s. I've got a great set of friends. I've owned my own gym. I've got a world champion, got English champions. I'm working with elite level fighters, UFC fighters, my own business. I'm like, shit, 10 years ago, that is a life that I dreamed of. Why are you getting so stressed? And that's something that helps me absolutely massively, like untold amounts, just to remind myself that the life I'm living now is one that I absolutely dreamed of at some point before. And you need to remember these are like at my late 20s now. These are like going to be the best years of my life, I would say, you know, from 25 to 40, 45 are probably going to be the best 20 years of my life where I've got money to do things. My business is picked up. The athletes I'm, I'm working with are picked up. So that's always a good thing to remind yourself. Um, with, with other deals of stress, I'd say journaling. Really good. I journal every night, sometimes really long, sometimes not at all just to get it out of my head before I go to sleep. I do like deep breathing, meditation, and, and, and simply just talking to your friends. I think that's a, that's a big one as well. That rolls on quite nicely, actually. Someone said, how do you deal with negativity from your friends in terms of people, all right, in terms of people not supporting your goals and, and stuff like that? Do you know, it just comes down to your circle. If your circle is tight, then, and your circle's surrounded with people who truly want the best for you, they won't be negative. You know, my, my friends, and I, I don't have a lot of close friends, like truly close friends, I would say seven, seven close friends. But I know every single one of them has got my best interest at heart, support me. And, and, and that's a key thing, you know, uh, as you start to do well, there's going to be people that, you know, try reach out or try surround themselves with you. But you've got to keep your circle small. And I know it's a cliche, but it's so true. And they won't give you negativity. You know, my friends do mock me about certain Instagram posts or, or stuff like that, but that it keeps you on your toes and it keeps you humble. But when it comes to it, they've got my best interest at heart. They know, for example, if, if I say to them, look, lads, I can't have a heavy one this weekend or I can't come this weekend, I got the, you know, they're going to support me. They don't ever give me any shit for it. So I'd say if there is anyone in your circle that is giving you negativity or not supporting you, then in simple terms, and it might sound, sound harsh, they've got to go. They have to go. Um, and that includes family, you know, that includes family. And I'm not saying cut people off, but you can limit your time that you spend with them. Um, so I would say that. So that rounds it up. All the questions ticked. Yep, that's all the questions ticked. 
40 minutes on the dot. Look at me, guys. I said they're going to be 35 to 40 minutes and we're there, bang, on the dot. I hope, I hope, I hope you guys found that useful. I hope even more so that it sounds all right. So when I check it back, I don't have to redo this. I think it was pretty dope, to be fair. I think there's a lot that you guys can take away. The key points in terms of my story and what I found and then going through them Q&As, yeah. As I said, I hope you found it useful. If there's any questions off the back of it that you have, just let me know. But what I think I will do is make this like a mini series over the next kind of month or two and maybe dive a little bit more into certain topics, maybe how to build your client base or how to open a gym and, and go into a little bit more detail. But that is not episode one of the podcast. It's episode one of this mini series, the business side of S&C. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Don't forget to follow me on socials. DM me if you've got any questions. More than happy to help. But for this episode, that's me. I'm out. Peace.